This is Puck Year, New Zealand's hockey podcast with hosts Logan Swinkles and Joe Jury, bringing you the best stories and interviews from down under. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into Puck Year Podcast. If it's your first time, Hello, welcome. I am Logan. No Joe this week. And if uh, you're returning, it's always great to have you back. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, Joe is keeping busy with the ACC boys and the America's Cup. So go Team New Zealand. Uh, so he'll be back next week. But we want to celebrate International Women's Day. It had just been, and we think it's really important uh, to get behind women's sport. As you know, if you know Pakia, we get really behind and really support women's hockey uh, in New Zealand whether it's ice or inline. Uh, so shout out if you play for the Ice Ferns or if you just play in the NZWHL or your local club for the love of the game, uh, we're here to support you. And uh, to to really celebrate International Women's Day and everything that goes with it, we wanted to look back on uh, one of our favorite interviews that we ever had. Now, on last week's episode, we talked about how there was plenty of ice ferns that are great role models for younger New Zealanders. Now, Captain Helen Murray is definitely one of them. Uh, you know, she represents New Zealand in both ice and inline hockey, which uh, is an incredible feat on its own, considering just, you know, how much time that takes and money uh, and just the passion and everything. Like, there's just so much that goes into that. So uh, it is mind-blowing that someone has that much drive to do all of that. But on top of that, she also keeps really busy with some pretty important research around Alzheimer's. Uh, when we relaunched the podcast uh, at the start of this year, 2021, Helen actually reached out to us uh, and we would love to have her back on, of course, probably in the next couple of months to talk about where her research is taking her now. Uh, we'll, we'll save that for then. I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to reveal what she is transitioning to, but uh, really important work, of course, all the same. Uh, but this interview was from three years ago. Uh, and as I mentioned, it still holds as one of our favorites of both Joe and myself. I don't know if that says more about us or I don't, I don't know. But yeah, it is just there's so much in this interview. There's a lot to take in. Um, uh, just full disclosure, I did edit out a couple of things, but there was just more things that uh, I guess they were a bit dated talking about uh, the 2018 tournament that had just been when we got her on the show. Um, but we talked about like the training camp in Toronto, which was amazing. I was so jealous because I mean, that is just like my favorite city in the world. Uh, you know, just the hub of hockey with the hockey hall of fame and everything. And yeah, I think you'll take a lot from this interview if you haven't heard it before, or if you want to refresh it. I mean, I still think it's a really great interview. So stick around. Uh, I got a few thoughts about what she says afterwards. I would consider them a dual international, probably bigger than Mark Ellis or Jeff Wilson. And those are lofty heights to come. And from. those are about the only two that I can think of, you know, a uh, kid from the 90s. But we've got Helen Murray, the captain of the Ice Ferns, and also plays for the National Women's Inline Team. How are you doing? Hi. Nice to be here. <laughs> and easily the smartest person we've ever had on this podcast. And probably uh, will be. Uh, <laughs> because not only are you an awesome hockey player, but you're also a scientist. Yeah, I have a crazy day job. That's it's true. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun career. It's a pretty stressful career actually, but um it it 
yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. I guess I think if you stay at university long enough, you can become a scientist. But <laughs> yeah, it's um, my research is based on Alzheimer's disease. I work on human brain tissue that's donated to the brain bank at uh, Auckland University Center for Brain Research. And yes, yeah, so I spend my days doing that. And uh, so I know because I was reading a blog about your oh, no. when you're going through your thesis and everything yeah that sounded like a crazy amount of work while you're also juggling a hockey career yeah so how do you even balance the studying the work the training and the playing oh the thesis was by far probably the most stressful time of my life uh it's it's pulling together sort of three years worth of work into something that's a coherent story when it didn't always pan out that way and then trying to kind of present it in a new format that you've you know basically writing a book and then at the same time training I think the training was a bit more of a like a release like it was a time to kind of get away from the computer and, and release some energy so I actually really liked training while I was writing my thesis I think it kept me sane <laughs> but yeah it was it's it's a tough thing to do you kind of you're editing you're writing you're just trying to come up with all these new ideas and then you can't help but kind of look at it and go oh this is a piece of crap and then everyone else is like, no, it's great. But you can't really see it because you're so like wrapped up in what you've done. So. Yeah. You can see all the holes in it, I guess. But I think it's, it kind of actually is really a book, isn't it? Because like I saw a photo and you print it and it's all yeah. leather bound and everything. Yeah, it looks very it's a legit. book. It's a 300 and something page book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool though, to have it, have it done. And, you know, you sort of see it there and it's, it's, it's a big piece of output for, for three years worth of work. So it was, it was pretty rewarding. During that time, um, obviously studying, becoming a full-on scientist, um, and training for two international hockey teams. Yeah. Were there people telling you, like, what are you doing with this hockey thing? Why don't you just concentrate on being yeah, a scientist? Pretty and much studying? everyone I work with. I okay, was like, good. you are crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people I work with didn't really – First of all, they had no idea that we even had an ice hockey or didn't even know what inline hockey was. Mm. So there's a lot of people that go, wait, what? Like, why are you traveling overseas? Like, what is the sport? You and made then, it up just to get out of yeah. the lab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, like, you don't want to hand in that assignment this Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, oh, you're yep, just sure. trying to get out of the lab. Um, but over the years, working with them all, like, everyone's sort of pretty supportive of it now. They, they're, I'm going away and they're like, oh, cool hockey. Where are you going to now? Sort of thing. Um, my boss has been pretty amazing as well. We um, we have a lot of support at the university as well. They have the high performance sport program, so that it sort of started up when I was studying my PhD. They just kind of facilitate a lot of things that while you're away or you're studying, they'll sort of help you move things around. And they also have a support fund, and that kind of that paid for a lot of my trips. That's awesome. Well, not all of it, but probably about half of, yeah. of my ice trips anyway. And um, yeah, so that they sort of communicate with my boss and stuff and help it all along but it's a it's a pretty big time commitment to train and then be in the lab as well I think that was probably the most stressful part you know you're trying to keep up with all your counterparts everyone else is sort of full-time in the lab and I'm like okay I gotta I gotta duck out and go to training now so <laughs> yeah did you ever um did you ever feel, feel like you're falling behind on assignments and stuff or you're like you kept it pretty much in check um well with the phd is there's not really assignments as such um there are kind of like progress reports you have to do to prove that you're still making it through 
Um, but this proves how much little men Logan know yeah. about <laughs> university no. and everything. We're just like, my, yeah. my, okay. my degree was awesome. <laughs> there was very little exams involved. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I got past the exam point and I was like, I'm not going back to exams ever again. I'll write a book instead. Um, yeah, it was oh, one of those um, times where you kind of, you look at all the, the time points that you have to get through and you're like, okay, I'm going to be away for two months of the year, you know, like a month with ice, about three weeks or so within line. And you just kind of have to try and plan everything around that. So every time I plan experiments or I do something, I have, I've got in the back of my mind that I want to go to Ice World. So I can't. I have to have things finished by that point <laughs> and then I'll start a new experiment afterwards. That's sort of how I roll now. <laughs> so you must be probably one of the best people ever at time management. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I, I picked up that skill. I think... I just spend less time sleeping. That's probably where I'm at now. I, I get up really early, like 5.30 in the morning. I'm in the lab and then around 5 in the afternoon, I'm off. I'm in the gym or on the rink or something. And then, yeah, I just don't really sleep. <laughs> That's um, the secret. It's a, it's a struggle for a lot of Kiwi hockey players to pay for representing the country at these tournaments. Um, and you do it for two. Yeah. So yeah. how do you do that year after year kind of, raising the funds and doing that that is by far the hardest part like the time management side of things you know you can make it work but the money is it really i know it holds back a lot of the girls because i'm not the only one there's there's plenty of us on the team that are playing both inline and ice and and it's tough because you're asking the same people year after year mm. to kind of support you and you're like you're still doing this yeah thing? you know oh, sometimes i have a give a little page and people are like didn't i already donate to this last year and i mean i've done everything i think i've sold chocolate chutney <laughs> movie fundraisers like you kind of start running out of ideas yeah. after a while and, and it's the same people that are helping you and then helping your teammates and it's such a small community but it's yeah without it you it's just you couldn't do it so I think a lot of it the sports support fund really really helped um while I was studying and then the fundraising to a certain degree but most of it you kind of just have to save yeah and and like once I've finished one trip, I sort of start saving for the next one. <laughs> so there are no personal holidays. It's just hockey holidays, basically. Yeah, pretty much. I try and tack on a couple of days at the end of each trip to just sort of have some downtime and actually enjoy the place that I'm in. Yeah. Because cool. um, we get to go to some cool places and, and you don't want to just sort of play the hockey and then run away straight away. You, you want to have a time to, to relax and detox after the trip. Yeah. You can see that inside of a changing room in a rink basically in west auckland so you can yeah yeah it's yeah. nice to get out and it's see. nice to get out yeah, yeah. We, we spend a, like a decent amount of time in each place you're gonna go to so you get a feel for that place so you want to go somewhere a little bit a little bit different uh just quickly sort of like being the amount of years that you've done this now like what are just list off what the countries you've been to purely because oh, of hockey countries i've been to okay well australia Hong Kong, I've been to the States, um, we went to Canada this time around for training camp, Europe, we've done Iceland, been to um, Italy, Spain, Czech, I've probably forgotten so many, <laughs> but yeah, and then a fair amount of traveling around that as well, like been around London a fair bit, and yeah. um, we, went, we spent like a day in Finland at one point, um, oh, Sweden, went to Sweden, that was cool, yeah, kind of... So basically everywhere. Yeah, a lot of places, <laughs> a lot of places. Was Sweden like just squeezing in like a little side trip? Or? No, Sweden, we went, uh, we trained in Sweden um, a couple of years back before we went to Scotland World Champs, I think 2015. 
so we had the training camp there. That was when we had um, Olf Hall was our head coach. So he's he's a part of the Swedish Federation. So he kind of hooked us up with the the rink time, and that was a pretty good trip because it was it was good competition, but it was a hectic training schedule. We were walking like two k's in the snow to the rink and back, and <laughs> oh. then yeah, it was <laughs> it was pretty cold. Uh, out of all those places, you must have like a favorite, um, like a tour story, something where you know you and the girls got up to a lot of maybe some mischief. You don't have to. So many. Yeah, you don't have <laughs> so you don't have many. to dob anyone in, but then yeah, what's uh, what's like a real strong memory for you? It's something you're really fond of on one of those trips. Really fond of oh this. And feel free, feel free to throw someone under the bus completely. And I could throw many people under the <laughs> it's bus. Like good cop, bad cop. <laughs> I could definitely throw un- under the bus for a lot of things. But uh, <laughs> um, let's see, Hong Kong. I went to a inline tournament there. It wasn't actually Worlds. It was just a. It was in like a inline sort of fun tournament. We set over um, a bunch of girls who were all sort of part of the national team, but it wasn't a national team. And we had a great time in Hong Kong. That was that was a really good time. Um, we had a couple of nights out. That was. Yeah, it was heaps of fun. Um, Iceland, Iceland was pretty special. Yeah. That was a place you can't really get much further away mm. than Iceland, but then it still was such a friendly place to be um, and crazy landscape. And yeah, we had a lot of good adventures there. Um, LA, Ange and I went to Vegas after LA. So, oh. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that was that was a good time. I lost her for a couple of hours. <laughs> Came back, you know, we, all, we all made it out. Yeah, Vegas can really get you. Yeah, that's the main yeah, thing. Yeah, that was as, after a tournament in LA for inline. As long as you make it out of Vegas, that's the most important thing. There yeah, can be we, horrific things that happen there, yeah. but <laughs> as long as you out. get out, that's the main thing. That's the main thing. Yeah, we, we made it out just. But <laughs> yeah, um, there's plenty of like sort of stories and stuff, but yeah, I have to throw a few people under the bus for that. So. <laughs> No, I don't it sounds it. like you've got a few on uh, one person. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, like me, Ange, um, Hannah Shields, um, Rachel Neville Lamb, we've been on all these tours together for years and years and years, like five, six years now. So you kind of can't help but have a couple of stories about people. But <laughs> I guess because you, uh, obviously you, Ange and Hannah, not only are you the kind of like captaincy core of the Ice Ferns, but also the inline team too. Yeah, yeah. So we... We're kind of the, I guess, the consistent ones that have been there year after year after year after year. And plenty of other girls as well have done that. Um, but yeah, we've kind of, I guess, ridden, risen through the leadership ranks as we've been on more and more trips. So you do have to kind of be a bit more responsible once you're <laughs> <laughs> taking up those positions. But we still have a good time. It's such a good, like, tight-knit group. We traveled together with all these girls so much, you can't help but so does that be mean, family. Does that mean Fuchsia was the one that let loose this time around? Oh, she was she was great. Fuchsia's <laughs> such a good time. She's she's um yeah, a lot of laughs on the trip and yeah, she didn't let loose too much. She's she's working hard most of the time, like everyone. Um you touched on it, mentioned it just earlier with all the places you've been. Um you guys had that training camp in Toronto mm. this year. My favorite place. Yeah, yeah and Logan was very jealous. <laughs> that was um, really cool. He was like, Why couldn't they take me along? <laughs> um so how was that like all the amazing hockey, like the hub of hockey, basically. Yeah, I think that is by far my favorite training camp, yeah. the Toronto one. It was just full-on hockey immersion. And there were definitely like cheaper places we could have gone or other places we could have gone. But with Toronto, we got such a good experience with just hockey overall. We got to go and train at um, 
where the York Lions play. So that's pretty cool. A couple of the past Ice Ferns have trained and played there and they came back to, to say hi to us. So that, that's pretty neat seeing players like Renata again and, and Kerry, who was our assistant coach. And then we got to play against tons of women's teams. We had like mm. six or seven warm-up like practice games. Um, and we just don't get that here. Yeah. Or And even in other places that we've trained, we've had like maybe one game or two games. We had yeah six or seven against really good women's teams. And that's it was probably the most valuable part of the camp is being able to play other women's teams that are far stronger than we actually played at the at the tournament. And then, yeah, like you get to watch AHL hockey. Um, OHL hockey, you get to play, see the, the Canadian Women's League. Um, it was my first NHL game seeing the Toronto Maple Leafs play. So, yeah, you can't beat that kind of experience. That was really cool. And who were the – I was just trying to remember, who were the Leafs playing – that, penguins that, yeah yeah that that <laughs> was my there. first nhl game as well Leafs versus penguins yeah and um yeah long story short people probably heard it before but i was a penguins fan when i grew up but moving to toronto Ooh, yeah. changed me into <laughs> yeah. a Leafs fan uh and i actually wore my crosby jersey that night and uh, i got a lot of flack for it <laughs> um but yeah i saw the, the photos of you guys there at the acc you're rocking all the ice ferns gear representing new zealand it was just so awesome and then to see that the team actually put up like a shout out on the board as well that was so cool that was really cool that was um we were all sort of sitting there waiting for that one we'd heard heard a rumor that it might be happening and everyone was really excited so it was like phones out ready in case it happens but all the games we went to people were really excited to talk to us yeah which we found crazy because you know we're just a bunch of chicks from new zealand and they were like oh new zealand women's hockey team that's so cool that you have a women's team and a national team and you're traveling and stuff. So yeah, all these games we went to, all these spectators would come and chat to us because we had these cool beanies on. <laughs> <laughs> they are cool. Everyone wants one of our beanies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but, everyone does love a Kiwi anyway, everywhere you go. Yes. <laughs> we're pretty likable people, I guess. Yeah, we're all right. We're all right. Um, and I guess also because like Canada, especially like Toronto, is probably a good place to go for you guys because... Um, as far as hockey goes, Canadians are very, you know, they love women's hockey. Mm. Uh, probably, I, I would like to say as equally as men's hockey, they're obviously a lot more aware of it than other people are. So, um, yeah, how awesome was it, though, that you got to meet, uh, you know, Laura, Stacey and uh, Laura Fratino? Yeah, that we had no idea when we, you know, we, we heard we we're going to get to go to this game. We thought, oh, that's really cool. We get to see the top women's hockey you know, being played. And then when we found out that these Olympians were there, we just kind of, everyone kind of lost their mind a little bit. It was, everyone's like, we have a photo, you know, if you can see the medals. Um, so they were doing sort of signings and stuff and they were, they were really lovely. They yeah. were really, yeah, happy to see us. And yeah, we were sort of fangirling a little bit. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And then even like the guys that did the, um, the live broadcast, you know, came over and wanted to have a chat to us and, and, it was quite unexpected. We didn't see it coming. We were kind of like, oh, okay, you know, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Throw us in the deep end. And, and they had a lot of trouble pronouncing Andra's name. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Because yeah. we saw that. We um, we saw the video and we loved it right at the start. And he's like, I'm here with Helen Murray and... And Jolly. <laughs> he practiced it like 10 times. So good. <laughs> it was so funny. That's why when uh, when I did that um, video of like the Ice Ferns, like top five goals from the tournament, yeah. I was like, I'm pretty good with Indian names for like from, you know, like cricket and stuff. <laughs> mm. And I was like, I'll just give it a crack. And I was, <laughs> and so like I seen her, like she commented on it and I was just like, please tell me I got your name right. And she's like, no, you're good. Because yeah, now you got the, the combo, like the Indian plus the Finnish last name. Is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how were your 
impressions of the the Canadian Women's Hockey League? Oh, it's insane. That yeah, yeah the level, the speed that they play at, um, it's just their skating is incredible. And I mean, I've seen it kind of play, you know, on like TV, you watch on yeah. TV, on, yeah. online, you watch the Olympics and stuff. But when you're really there, you get a real sense for just how fast they actually are and, and how much power they're putting into their shots and stuff. It's yeah, it's definitely something to aspire to. <laughs> We're not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I did like there was a quote uh, or something you said in your blog <laughs> is that you'll stay with the ice spoons until they kick you out. Pretty much. That's my plan, <laughs> I think. I have some unfinished business with the ice spoons because when I started ice hockey, I couldn't, obviously I couldn't skate because I'd come across them inline. And for some crazy reason, Corey picked me for the ice spoons that first year in 2011. And I was in a pretty tough point at uni where I had to get certain grades in order to make it into the PhD program. So I, I pulled out of the traveling team and they went to Iceland and they won a gold medal. <laughs> And and I was super happy for them, but also like dying inside because I didn't go on this trip. <laughs> and yeah, ever since I've kind of been chasing that gold medal again and it hasn't happened. So I, I keep saying to everyone, I can't retire until we get that gold. So it better happen soon because I'm getting older. <laughs> <laughs> you've yeah. got to be, you've got to be close. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the, uh, the tournament that's just been soon. But yeah, talking about that, about the promotion and stuff, what do you think, what would that mean, not just to you, but to the Ice Ferns to go up to Division 2A? And like, um, you know, aside from obviously facing tougher opposition, uh, what other benefits would the team get from that? Yeah, 2A, I mean, we were there. Not, you know, in 2015, we were relegated from 2A. So we were there. It's a very tough division. There are some super high-level teams in there. Um, that year, there was Kazakhstan. You know, like they played in the Olympics before. So it's, it's a really tough division to be in. And I think it does demand a bit more from us as a team to, to compete at that level. And kind of watching Australia actually in there as well, I think you really have to pull something out to, to do well in that division. So, But being there also gives you a bit more kind of clout with sponsorship. You know, mm. you're a bit higher up. You can kind of push a little bit more. You, you're into those sort of top 20, well, 20, 30, I think it's about top 30 rankings. Yeah. So it's a little bit more push to, to get some some funding. Um, but yeah, I think it would, it would demand more of, from us as a team to, to compete there anyway. Do you think if you got, you went back up there, uh, and sort of, you know, showed that you can stay there, do you think that would kind of get the attention of, um, like high performance sport in New Zealand? I hope so. Um, I don't know what the, the ins and outs of kind of getting that sort of recognition and sponsorship from them would be, um. We like I think our best ranking in two A was was a fourth place in Auckland in twenty thirteen, and and that got a bit of attention. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, at some point, you know, we got to start getting into these big funding. Mm. Um, that's that's how we'll be progress. If you look at the teams that we were playing in that division, um, Hungary was there one year. They've just gone on one division, I think one B or one A or something. Oh. And um, Italy were in there as well. They've just one division, one B. You know, they're moving up and they're, they're getting the funding and that's what's really driving them. Yeah. So it's kind of a catch, right? you got to get the good performance to get the funding. With yeah. <laughs> you know. Unless you're netball. Yeah. <laughs> you get the funding to get the performance. So, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I think that's what's... um With the, with a bit more support, I think women's hockey could really just take off. Now, um, you're, you mentioned before with Toronto, obviously you got to play against some really good, strong, like, Oh, yeah. Woman competition. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, 
and then like you know sometimes you struggle with that especially like here now i know uh leading into the commonwealth games like the women's black sticks completely different kind of hockey obviously but um they actually played their training games against uh like men representative teams mm. have you guys done that before and if not um, why not <laughs> we haven't really played against men's teams it's a different game yeah um playing against guys because they sort of instantly have to change from a you know to a non-check situation unless they play that normally and in women's hockey you can you can kind of go for things that you wouldn't normally be able to do in a men's game like we can sort of step off the wall and make these dangles that normally you get rolled for in the men's league so and, and if you watch the olympics you can see the difference between the men and the women's games at that super high level but it, it does kind of filter down to ours as well and it's not quite the same we can't muscle off a men's team right whereas i could you know even me i'm tiny i could kind of push around the chinese taipei girls <laughs> so <laughs> you, there's that physicality of it that you can't really replicate when you play the men it is valuable because they're very fast you know all the guys that you, if you're going to play them they're going to be quick um and that's that's valuable but it's not quite the same. So whenever possible, I think it's more valuable to be able to play other women's teams. Um, but in lieu of that, I was just really curious yeah. like, if that would work for ice hockey as well or not. But um, you actually, uh, you're going overseas again soon yes. for inline hockey to yes. Italy. Yeah, there's a lot of traveling to be done actually. I'm going to DC first for work and then coming back here and then going back across uh, for in line we're off to asiago um and we've been there a couple times we've been there once for ice we've been there for inline so this is the third time third time year going back over there um we're kind of just getting all the details about all that now so it should be a good good time it looks like a good squad that they've named so how's your italian terrible <laughs> terrible i'm really bad with languages <laughs> i usually just sort of google translate my way through anything yeah when we were in China, oh, that's the other place I've been to, China. I went to China last year for inline and yeah, phew, language barrier, massive problem. <laughs> it was really difficult. Google Translate everything. Now, sticking with like inline, uh, last year, the World Roller Games, you were the flag bearer yeah, for that New was, Zealand. That was amazing. That was the whole um, World Roller Games was, it was the first time they've done it. And that was such a cool event. They pulled together all the roller sport kind of codes um things like speed skating and freestyle where they kind of like dance around these cones and stuff and roller derby and like everyone was there tons of countries and they had this amazing opening ceremony we didn't realize it was going to be such a big event and then um yeah so the inline federation put my name forward which i was kind of surprised about as well it's pretty <laughs> pretty cool and um yeah roller sports new zealand picked me i don't yeah it was pretty cool and yeah, you kind of, you had to go to this, um, I had to go to a, like a practice sort of thing. And there were just like swarms of children, <laughs> all of these little kids dressed up in like traditional costume and stuff preparing. And it was so loud and you couldn't hear anything because it was just millions of children. Um, but then you kind of got to chat to all the other flag bearers and everyone around and see what they do. And yeah, it was pretty special to, to take it out and then hear everyone going nuts. In the stands this little kiwi contingent that's <laughs> awesome so it's kind of like a almost like an olympic opening ceremony yeah. so like on a smaller scale it kind of felt like that that's it cool was, yeah i had the had the butterflies going out there like i gotta wave my flag i gotta get my figure eight going with my flag <laughs> and not drop it uh so like basically every kiwi kid that plays ice hockey you started playing in line yep 
<laughs> pretty much. Um, at a very young age. Yeah. Very young age, yeah. I was what, 10? I was about 10, yeah. Um, how did you get into like Everyone has their like origin stories. Their origin story. Yeah, mine is um, the classic sort of family story, I guess. My brother got some, like a pamphlet from school and he wanted to try it. And I was pretty like negative about it stuff. I remember thinking, oh, that sounds really silly. And he started and then I was kind of the backseat on the way home telling him what he should have done in his, his <laughs> games and stuff. And my dad said to me, why don't you try it then? I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, I couldn't do that. And then anyway, so here I am. <laughs> I started. I never stopped. <laughs> That's pretty progressive for a – so the school sent out a pamphlet. Yeah, back back in those days um, we were playing out at East Tamaki and they had a really strong like learn to play after school Friday night um program right i think a lot of inline players will probably remember it if if they've been playing since sort of 2000s um and yeah they would go around all the schools they had tons of sort of shin pads and little helmets and stuff and skates for kids just i think you just had to bring your own pair of rollerblades basically right and turn up with a helmet and they give you a stick and get on the rink and blad around for a little bit and yeah it, it back in those days inline was quite big you know there were three or four teams in each age grade yeah so, I remember it really um, grew. Yeah, I remember growing up in Tauranga, there was the Tauranga Mighty Ducks. Yes, the Mighty Ducks, yes. <laughs> oh, RIP. Yeah. I think um, the Mustangs boys are still playing out of Tauranga, so there's, there's sort, of, sort of remnants of inline out there, and yeah, they're pretty competitive, actually. Yeah, I, don't, I like because obviously there's there's never been an ice rink in Tauranga. It probably no. never will be. <laughs> been a beach pity. town, but yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, and like, yeah, so learning there, and now fast forward to you know a few weeks ago you were helping out at uh auckland um ice hockey associations have a go day yeah teaching teaching little kids how teaching to skate little kids. one of them was my nephew actually I'm, I'm to be fair i mostly went because i saw it was going on i thought i'd better help out and then my nephew has been he's um he's four he's he has a little hockey stick that i've cut down for him and he runs around outside and, and that's good uh, yeah auntie fish get him out there young <laughs> four yeah get the skates on him get him into it so my sister had been kind of pestering me you gotta take him you better you better show him because every time she wants to she played a little bit as well when she was younger and every time she wants to show him he's like no 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 no. that's auntie fishy that's what that's what she does so i had to take him and yeah he loved it eh? it was he was on the rink for about 40 minutes i think which was pretty good for a four-year-old i thought yeah and yeah (laughs) he was so competitive and all these little kids you know they they don't necessarily have the the ability to skate but they just they just want to do stuff mm. and just being on the ice is exciting so yeah it kind of brings you the joy you know you got to give give back and keep them all going how how yeah speaking of like how important is it to you to like give back and help you know, like that next generation of uh, ice hockey players kind of get their start yeah i think it's so important for the sport to grow and i re- i really love the um the girls give it a go day as well because there's, I think it comes across, you know, ice hockey with a stigma that it's rough and tumble and it's too tough for girls sort of thing. And I, when you when you get these these girls out on a day where it's just for girls and they can, you know, kind of come along and give it a go and there's no boys to push you around sort of thing. Yeah. And they get out there and they love it. And so you kind of, like, you want to be able to give back and help them see that they can do it too. And, and it's not just, you know, a, you don't have to be tough. You just have to kind of get out there and, and try it. I don't have as much time as I'd like to, to, to coach and, and do all that sort of stuff. But a couple of years back when I was at uni, I was still doing all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's pretty rewarding to how, see them. How cool is it being like a, I don't want to call you a veteran, but like a, a mainstay in the 
Ice Ferns team, seeing those those new Ice Ferns come in like Fuchsia, yeah. who've never been in the yeah. team, and like see their their growth in hockey, and now they're in the New Zealand team. It's yeah, that's pretty um pretty cool because you get players come along and it it's it, it throws you off like it surprises you. Someone comes up to you and says, "Oh, you know, it's so cool. Ice Ferns so cool. I really want to play for you guys one day, and that's my dream." And you don't really realize that you have that impact on people. And they come across like, oh man, it's so cool. And you're like, all right then, like this is what you're gonna have to do. And and like Fuchsia especially, she she's amazing because she came out to me like a year or two ago, and she's like, what about you know, what are the things I should really focus on to get into this team? And when you got people like that, they're just like, they're so driven mm. to want to make it. It's what makes the jersey mean something, you know. Mm. Like, you fight so hard to to raise the money and to train and to build your skills to get there, and then. They're coming on through and, yeah, some of the young ones, you know, they're getting pretty fast. <laughs> I'm getting a little bit worried. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of talent coming up. So you see how hard they work and, yeah, these kids are off the rink after, you know, on the rink after school and playing around for two or three hours. You're like, oh, shoot, I need to do that too now. <laughs> so. I'm sure you've still got many years. I mean, you know, Andy Hayes still around. He's he's kicking it. He's yeah, still doing good. Yeah, there's, there's plenty, plenty of people there. Yeah, I always say that I can't retire until Tara, Tara Tissink does. She's still playing in line, so I gotta keep going. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a few years on me. <laughs> there is, um, you know, speaking of you know players like Fuchsia, the younger ones sort of coming up. Uh, there's one that actually, uh, I guess uh, we'll call her a listener of this podcast, friend uh, of the podcast, friend, friend of, of the, the podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jesse Parker with the uh, yeah, New Zealand yeah. under 18s. I think a year ago, she posted this photo of her with, uh, was it with Remy Sandoy? And she's like wearing his jersey or something and said, I want to play for New Zealand. And then a year later, she makes the team and she's just <laughs> so pumped and stoked. So yeah. I think, yeah, this is obviously a definite, um, there's like a lot of like kind of carry through there, the influence from the Ice Ferns. So, I mean, as long as it keeps going, I think we're going to see a lot more awesome uh, female hockey yeah, players. Yeah, I, th- I think having the tournaments in New Zealand helps as well. Mm-hmm. Like when you get to really see, like having the Ice Blacks here last year was was really cool because you get all these kids, you know, getting out to see these guys in the black jersey. And, and when we played in Auckland in uh, 2013, it was sort of the same. You know, you had all these people like, oh, this is really cool. Like you guys are doing so well. And that's where all the energy comes from. And you kind of inspire these people i was helping out last year at the ice wax tournament jesse was running around i think she was in um, caitlin hill's jersey actually <laughs> and um, i was like who's that girl wearing caitlin's jersey and she came up to me and she's like oh you know i know who you are blah, blah, blah. and she was really excited and yeah to see how hard she's worked to get into the under 18s and how much it means to her that's that's what it's all about yeah you mentioned um the like i guess the stigma that obviously ice hockey is too rough and tough for girls uh is there any uh, is there any other like kind of perceived barriers that are stopping girls from playing? Do you think? I think that's probably the main one. Um, that yeah, it's you know you, you're going to get hurt or something. Um, I think there's probably a financial aspect of it as well. I think it has a perception of being quite an expensive sport. When you look at it, you know, depending on how many teams you play for. It's pretty comparable to inline, actually. Yeah. I think inline's still a bit cheaper, but yeah, I think those are the the main sort of barriers that girls don't really sort of see it as a sport that they want to get into because it's not something that you see girls playing. Yeah. But and so for um, you know, say like a young you know a young girl who wants to get into the sport, like what say just 
uh, thinking of Auckland here, like what what leagues are there? Like what playing opportunities are there for girls that want to play? Probably the first protocol is the learn to play program because that's for, for I'm, I'm pretty sure they do sort of younger grades up to sort of a little bit older. Um, that's a good place to learn how to skate because I think it's once you learn how to skate, then everything else opens up. Mm. You really have to be able to sort of move before you can Play. I say this is an inliner who could barely <laughs> skate loud, waddle around when I got on the ice. But that's what really made the sport kind of open up. Um, for the girls that are a bit older, coming to the women's trainings that mostly start toward the end of the year when our season kicks off, that's a good place to come because it's it's kind of it's an open women's training. Um, we have the older girls, people like me that have been around the block for a long time, out on the ice. But there's also a lot of newer players that are still learning, and so we kind of split the ice up to accommodate for that. And Rachel's been really good at sort of figuring out how to do that. And with help of um, Jeff and Andy, it's it's really kind of allowed the girls to pick up the skill set from very beginner up to quite experienced. So that's a good place to go as well. This might be a um, highly controversial question, but uh, what do you prefer, ice or inline? Oh. Ooh, that is a really tough one. Ooh, I'm going to get hate either way on this. Um <laughs> Oh, I like different things about different ones. It's so diplomatic answer, but um, I enjoy. I I'd say I probably enjoy inline more for a couple reasons. One, it's a little bit less sort of intense. The time that we're away, we have a lot more downtime, and also because there's just so many people inline that have been my family for like so so long like yeah. pretty much my whole life that it's pretty hard to sort of to take ice first but in saying that ice I think is more competitive so if I had to pick sort of which one to go to I think the priorities are ice worlds and then world roller games so every second year they have world roller games so if I yeah on a year where they have world roller games that's kind of like I want to be there and then on a year where it's <laughs> not world roller games I'm kind of like oh I saw it's where it's at right, so I'll keep going on I, both I, of them. yeah I don't I don't want to hear any hate over that answer yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know, you mentioned obviously uh, so Corey Down kind of got you into the ice ferns uh, yeah your first yep. year um I got I interviewed him recently and he kind of downplayed the whole fact that he was the ice ferns coach because he was like oh I was I was only the coach because... It was four years. Yeah, it was huge. But he, but he was like, oh, I was the only one that, at the time available kind of thing. So I was like, okay, well, I think he's probably been a little bit humble there. Um, but what was it like in your first years having him as a coach? Oh, Corey was Corey was great. You know, and he really embraced the inlineness of, of us, um, of the players that had kind of come across. Because I think a lot of the time when we play ice, we get this the inline kind of beaten out of us. You know, <laughs> you know everyone's like, "Ah, oh, you dangle too much. Too many hands. Stop, stop <laughs> handling. Stop pack handling." No, love a good dangle. Yeah, exactly. And I think Corey kind of embraced all of those um, plays that we love about inline, and brought it into the ice ferns. So I really enjoyed that. <laughs> about um also he's just he's such a great character you know he's a really good time um yeah but he was he was he was a good coach he was there for, you know, four years that's, that's a long time you shouldn't downplay that yeah. <laughs> um and he coached us through uh division 2a which is you know that was a tough tough division um so yeah i think there's a lot of a lot of credit he needs to have for that um yeah i mean that seems sensible not to tell skilled players to not use their skill i guess when they're playing ice because inline players are they've always got better hands than ice hockey players i guess <laughs> um so it makes sense to kind of embrace that to let them play a skilled yeah. fast game 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like to bring that into my ice because that's sort of my upbringing in a sense and, and the plays that we run, all the picks that we do in inline, I think there is a place for them. But ice hockey is a different game. Mm. And, you know, in inline, it's all about puck position. We bring it back and then we're moving it forward. So we would rather return to our defensive zone than give up position. And there's so many times where, like, we kind of flick into that at ice and then you can hear Andy screaming at us on the bench, like, <laughs> what are you doing? And, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't go well and it, you get a turnover in your defensive zone and you go, okay, I see where he's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should actually, you know, get on board with this whole ice hockey style. And, and like, dump and chase is a really crazy concept mm. as an inliner. Mm. You know, to give up possession on an offensive drive, we just go, what? You want me to give away the puck? It's a crazy concept to us too. Yeah, yeah there's like a lot. There's, there's a, a lot more of that place. happening in, in yeah. ice as well. That that's kind of being embraced as not the way to do things. Yeah, keeping I can, hold I of can the puck see is, in certain not situations where it's it's really useful, and it, it worked out pretty well for us in a couple of games as well. So, yeah, I'm starting to learn the. <laughs> it's taken me five years. Yeah. Uh, I think lastly, um, I should probably ask. Looking so looking ahead, probably like five ten years. Uh, where and like how do you imagine the sport of ice hockey looking in New Zealand? I I think we need to start pushing skating as a priority. Every time we go away to these tournaments, I think that's where we we get beaten. It's not our fitness, it's not necessarily our skill. I think it's our skating um strength that that's I think if if New Zealand hockey can kind of push that I think we'll be in a lot better place. Women's game, men's game. Um, five years time, I'd really like to see the women's game growing. I'd like there to be a bigger pool, more competition to play against and to pick New Zealand teams from. Because I think that competition drives you to improve. You know, you don't get complacent. And I think the only way to do that is to kind of keep growing the grassroots hmm. and build up um, at least the New Zealand, you know, the women's league, um, the men's league's going pretty strong. I'd really like to see another team in the women's league. I yeah. think that'd drive a lot of competition and a lot of growth for the sport. So yeah, five years time, I think if we would if we were getting there, that'd be that'd be a good time. So as always, I mean it's great to have uh, someone like Helen Murray on the podcast. Uh, that was from April 2018. We will have her back on the show, probably quite likely in April 2021, uh, to be honest. I will be in New Zealand from March 27. And after those two weeks of ISO, I'll be back out. Joe and I will be back in the studio together again, which I mean, that's honestly, aside from some of the other things that Helen talked about, one of the biggest takeaways for me was just how much I enjoyed doing those interviews in person in a studio rather than on Zoom or anything like that. So really can't wait to get back into that. But the one thing uh, before we wrap up this podcast Uh, I wanted to highlight the last question, actually, that Helen uh, answered. We talked about where she could see women's hockey being in five to ten years from now, where she would like it to be. Uh, Of course, the big thing there was the growth of the NZWIHL League. Uh, We did see in 2020 last year the the Southern team making way for the Wakatubu Wild and the Dunedin Thunder women's team. So hopefully from that, uh, we see women's hockey really grow in that Southern region in the near future. A lot of great players coming out of that area too. Um, But if I'm going to be completely honest here, I do believe that the promotion of that league is, is way off. I mean, for starters, you see the NZHL, they've got their Facebook page, right? 
uh, the NZWHL. I, I don't see anything. Uh, it's sometimes it's hard to know when the, like, I, I'll be honest. I've been told by players, Hey, our league starts up next week. And I'll be like, wow, I hadn't heard anything about it until that point, which I mean, I felt pretty shitty about that. I felt like that was me being lazy, uh, but also just not, it not being brought to, um, you know, our attention by, uh, I guess governing bodies or the league itself. Like, I, I don't know what's up with that. The promotion just isn't there. And I feel like women's hockey in New Zealand definitely deserves a lot better. I hope in the future we do see it because at the moment, it seems to be a lot of it is all on the players. They're great follows on Facebook and Instagram uh, when, you know, the seasons are around, you know, they post a lot of great stuff. So would love to see more of that. Would just love to see just, yeah, a greater promotion, a greater uh, emphasis on really pushing that league, the NZWHL in New Zealand. So I really do hope we see that. I think it's probably a topic for another day that really warrants an open and honest discussion uh, with people that are affected by buy it and are passionate about it. So if that is you, please reach out to us because we would love to hear from you. Uh, and we're always keen to get new guests on as well. So uh, until then, thanks for listening to Park Air Podcast. We'll be back next week. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel for more highlights and interviews. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook as well at Park Air NZ for any other hockey news or podcast updates. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts because that is where you will get these episodes first. Uh, but until then, I've been Logan Swinkles. Joe will be back next week. And until then, see you later. Oh, 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 o